Church, welcome back into the building. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it is, it is so exciting to see each and each one of your faces covered by a mask. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm going to believe that you're smiling at me underneath the mask, uh, and we'll, we'll go along with it. Hey, online, thank you for, for watching wherever you guys are watching from. We appreciate you guys online as well. Well, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at Eastside City Church. I have the privilege to be able to bring the word today. We uh, finished up our series last week of Dream a Little Dream. Hopefully you've, you've caught your dreams back. You feel full of faith and hope. Next week is Mission Sunday. And so today I'm just sharing what God's been putting on my heart lately, just things that God has been stirring up and kind of been going through. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, load it, swipe, uh, turn, whatever you got going on. And uh, we'll, we'll be going there. So uh, I don't know about you, but... I know there's like hashtag open for summer, but personally, I'm just sick of all things COVID. I'm just kind of like, are we done yet? Uh, it's, it's, it's been a year, hasn't it? I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things. and uh, There's been a unique opportunity that I have had uh, in, despite all the craziness, and, and that's just to be able to do some stuff with the Red Cross. And so I've been volunteering uh, before and had an opportunity to be able to help out. And so basically what we do is we provide some humanitarian aid for people who have been impacted by COVID. And so it, it's pretty neat. And there's just like a small group of us, and we kind of go around. We, we got some different objectives that we're kind of doing. And so one, one day, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was with my supervisor, who's, who's like my boss, and we're just kind of chatting, and all of a sudden, she gets this text message, like, bing, and she's just like, oh, no. Now, like, we get bad news all the time. Like, the, the nature of what we're dealing with, there's, there's constantly kind of bad news. So we're just kind of like, oh, what's, what's going on? And she, she shows me the phone, and it's one of, one of our coworkers, and it just says, I'm, I tested positive. And immediately, we're all just kind of like, whoa, oh no, because in some ways, it's kind of been like a year of like, either you've caught it or had it, or you know somebody who's had, or you know somebody who had to isolate, and, and in this moment, we are all kind of like in this group where we have been trying our best to make sure that we protect ourselves, and we've been doing things because things, our aid to other people is compromised if all of a sudden we are all quarantining, and so she's like, oh no, I, I have to see if this is a joke. And so she like rushes off and she just kind of disappears. And I'm like, I'm sure it's no big deal. So we keep doing our job. And a couple of the other staff members are kind of concerned and stuff because what had happened is that I had taken off just the previous night shift because I had some prior engagements. And that was the shift that this individual had worked. And so there's some other people in the office who had also kind of were working with them. And so they're all kind of on edge and not, not 10, 15 minutes later, she comes back in, and she's like, all right, you, 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 and you, pack up your stuff, go home. She starts to unplug her laptop. She walks out, and she's like, all right, Michael, I'll call you. Uh, we'll talk about this tomorrow. And she just takes off. And I'm just kind of like, good one, guys. Come on. You got me. You got me. Yeah. And it wasn't a joke. And I realized that the only reason I didn't have to quarantine is because I missed out on that shift just the night before. And almost the entire shift had to quarantine. And through that process, I realized just how intricate of a process it is for people to decide on whether you need to quarantine if you've been a close contact. 
So she was on the phone with AHS and contact tracers and public health agency. She's on the phone with the Red Cross and the advisors and the risk assessment team and the lawyers are getting involved. And there's the health advisor engineering team is involved. And they're all analyzing how big are the elevators you guys are going up in and how long are the stairwells and did you have eyeglasses on and goggles? Do you have a mask on? What type of mask on? You know, did you look deeply into each other's eyes and how long and all these things? I'm just like, this is crazy. All, all in this desire to want to try and find out if you are at risk of being infected with COVID. There's this entire team, the Alberta Contact Tracing Team, and, and maybe you heard about them where they, this is their entire job. I'm like, that is a crazy job. It's like herding cats. I do not want that job. Just trying to figure out. I remember having a conversation with my wife one time where I was like, could you imagine if we got a call? And they're like, could you tell us everybody you've been in contact with? And I'm like, whoa shoot, that could be a really long list. And of course, other weeks are like, my kids? Uh, I saw nobody. I saw nobody this week. And so I, I, was, I was thinking about that. I was thinking there's got to be some intentionality in heaven regarding the Great Commission, regarding wanting to spread it. And, and it, listen to me here. I'm not trying to compare COVID to the Great Commission. It seems highly insensitive at this moment. But, but I do want to look at the job of a contact tracer. And I was thinking about this. Like, what if I got a call from heaven and they were like, hey, Michael, we're working on the Great Commission here and we're trying to get things figured out and, and spread the good news of the gospel. Who have you been impacting? I was like, yeah, Totally. And they're like, well, we've got this complicated formula, Michael, of how close you've been to people and what type of conversations you've been having with people and, and, and you know, how, how much alone time have you been able, what's the quality of your relationships and conversations, all in the desire to know how I have been impacting people with the good news that Jesus Christ saves. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's a challenging question. <laughs> like, there are moments where I'm like, ah, I know we all want to, like, get our list out and be like, here is my long list of people who are going to get saved because I've been in their life. But at, but at other times, that's really hard to gauge. I think in the best of times, a pandemic aside, that, that is difficult. And with social distancing, with all sorts of things, with it being a year of highly controversial topics coming up, a year of discussion and debate, on who's right and who's wrong. It just seems that there is this growing list of things that I can't talk about with people. And so you just kind of go up and you're like, nice lawn. No weeds. Good job. New flower bed. It's nice. Well, have a good one. Yeah. Invite you over, but that's illegal, so. So, so the, the question is, where, where does other people see God working in my life? Do people see God's fingerprint on my life? And the church in Thessalonica had the same question. They had these doubts. They, they were wondering, is my impact worth it? Is, am I making a difference? And Paul, he had sent somebody to, to Thessalonica to just kind of see how things were going because he had previously been there. And what you may not know about Thessalonica is it's right on the sea land border. 
And so what would happen is all the ships would come in there, and it was this logistics hub for the rest of the province. So it was a, it was a busting place. It was a place you'd want to be. Lots of things happening, politically very diverse, lots of, lots of things. All the new startups wanted to happen there. Cool things happening, but it made for a lot of tension when all of a sudden this, this new way, Jesus showed up. And Paul is talking about Jesus being resurrected, the only way, the truth, and the life. And there's a whole bunch of, uh, of tension going on there with the church. And so Paul writes them some things to just kind of help them out. And in First Thessalonians, we're able to go here and, and just hear Paul's word to this church that he had an impact in starting up. So First Thessalonians chapter 1, it starts with this. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with, the, with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And he continues to encourage on, but we'll pause right there. And I just want to pray before we go further. Father God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives, Father. Lord, we just use these words to be encouraged, to be filled up, to be full of hope in what you want to continue to do in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We thank you for this. In your name, amen. So in the, in the business world, there's this metric, this measure, and it's called the lag measure. It's a lag measure, and uh, I know this because I read half a business book last month, and so it makes me like one-sixteenth of a businessman, and so I, I'm really excited to share this with you. So lag measure, lag measure is just how it sounds. It lags behind other things that are going on. And so, uh, for instance, if you're in business, maybe you're looking at sales, we want to sell these things, or maybe you're looking at how much profit you're making, and th sometimes those things will lag behind what other predictive measures might be, like are our customers happy, and oh, what were our sales like that week, or how, many, how much foot traffic did we have, and, and that sort of thing. Or, or maybe in our personal life, we would look at, uh, you want to lose weight, and so you would jump on the scale, but you don't just stare at the scale and then turn around and step back on the scale and be like, it hasn't changed. The lag measure is the weight on the scale. You go, you, you maybe look at, well, did I exercise today? And what type of food did I eat? And did I eat too much or uh, not enough? And, and then you would go, and eventually, if you are consistent in other areas, then you'll see the lag measure of the, the scale begin to show up. So we call this a lag scale. And uh, in salvation, in our Christianity, here's what I think. I think that all of us want to be able to see people discipled. We want to see people saved. But that is often a lag measure. Often we, we want to see that taking place right away. And we want to like walk in and see people saved right away. But what it often takes is a lot more work. And it's pretty rare when you can walk into a situation and somebody just gets saved instantaneously. 
Actually, you know, one time, the very first message I preached is, is like during Bible college, and they brought us to just a town in the middle of nowhere, and they're like, ah, oh, Michael, preach. So I was like, all right, yeah, let's preach. And I just, I just preached my guts out, and it's just going for it. I have no idea what exactly I preached about. It was probably, so, it was probably crazy. Um, and, and at the end, I had this altar call. I'm like, hey, you want prayer, and you need more passion in your life, and come on up, and we're going to pray for you. And like, couple people trickle down and I'm like all right we're gonna pray for these people and other bible college students are coming around and kleenex boxes are flying around and finally this this lady comes comes down just kind of near the end of the altar call and she's just bawling she's just bawling and I'm like I don't think my message was was that sad but she comes she's like hey I just I want to give my heart to Jesus I want to get saved I was like, this is fantastic. This is awesome. I didn't do an altar call at all. I didn't do a salvation response at all. And this lady, she just wants to get saved. Like, that's how powerful my sermon was. Like, it's awesome. And I'm like going, I'm like, yeah, we're going to get you saved. And I said, lead her in a prayer. And, I, and all the while, I'm kind of thinking, like, this is kind of weird. Like, I didn't really think it happened this quickly. And these, these two ladies come down afterwards, and they're like, hey, we, we're so glad that that lady gave her heart to the Lord. We have been praying and talking with her for months. I was like, oh, that makes sense. That makes a little more sense. You know, we, we want these things to happen right away, but sometimes we don't know where we're at. We don't know if we're watering. We don't know if we're just planting seeds. We don't know if we're going to be able to harvest, but our role is just there. And so as, as we kind of go through this, there's, there's this better way because what happens if I just focus on discipleship or salvation, then I can get puffed up when I see it happening. I'm like, oh, look at those people I got saved. Yes. Or I can be completely depressed when it doesn't happen. Oh, man, I've been praying for my coworkers and they're never getting saved. I'm a horrible Christian. If only I was more like Dr. Moody, they would all be saved. And you just kind of wonder. And Paul here, he encourages the church, and he says, there is a better way. And we, we don't need to just focus. We, we look at that. We look at salvation and discipleship, but, but we put our attention on, on three things. And we just focus on these, and he, and he has it here, and he lays it out. Paul, in this chapter, just at the very beginning, he talks about what it'll take, which is faith. He talks about how it'll be done, which is love. And he talks about when. It'll be done. And he speaks of an endurance. I don't want to go to this because it's really interesting. He, most scholars believe that Paul wrote uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians from Corinth. And when he was at Corinth, we, we have this incredible chat. We have this incredible book called First and Second Corinthians. And, and in 1 Corinthians 13, we have the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, all that stuff that your spouse reads to you when you're in a fight. And at the end, and at the, and at the end of that chapter, it says, now, these three remain. Do you remember what they are? Do you know what they are? Faith, hope, and, and the greatest of these is? Boom. Okay, well, love's the greatest. But faith, hope, and love are there. And I think it's really neat that Paul was in Corinth where he would write, for, where he would later write a letter to the Corinthians, and, and one of those Chapters would be 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter. But here he is. You can already see Paul's bias. You can already see where he's starting to weave these ideas, these virtues of hope and faith and love into his other letters. And we see it here in verse 3. There's three encouragements he has. 
He says, your work produced faith. Your labor prompted love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think as we look at these three encouragement that Paul gives, there's something for us. There's something for us to be encouraged about. And that when we look at these things, when we live our life and can say, hey, I have a, a life marked by these three things, then we can be encouraged that we're on the right track. And we just stay faithful to what God's calling. And we'll eventually see the fruit of that. Well, the, the first encouragement we have here in verse 3 is, he says this, We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith. Faith fueled their work. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And while without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And in Hebrews 1, it gives us, uh, Hebrews 11, 1, it gives us the definition of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we do not see. James says, hey, if, if you have faith without works, it's dead. And Paul's encouragement here is saying, hey, I have seen the works that you've done. And you're not working from a place where you are trying to earn salvation, but you are working from a place of faith that you know you are saved and it is pouring out into this incredible blessing. You are pouring out in hospitality to other people. You're reaching out to other people because there is an acceptance that you have. I, I don't know if you've, you've seen people before, maybe in your own life you've looked at that where you can go and you can try and gain acceptance you kind of work from a place where I want to work and be accepted by people or by someone. Or you can work from a place where you know you're accepted and, and there's a comfort there. And that's Paul's encouragement here. He's saying, I've seen that God has filled you, that you are full of faith, and you're working from that place. I, I don't know about you, but I want, my, I want my faith to grow. And I want my faith to be full that other people would be impacted by the faith I have, the faith I have to see other people get saved, the faith I have for God to do things in my life. How do we do that? We, we get into God's word. We get filled up. And we, we hang around people who are faith-filled and go from there. So that's the first encouragement. The second encouragement, he, he goes and he says, remember before our God and Father, uh, your work produced by faith and your labor prompted by love. The second encouragement Paul gives is that they had a love that sustained them in difficulty. This idea about labor isn't so much about work that they had to do. It speaks to the fact that because they loved, they experienced an extraordinary amount of, of tension. There's a lot of difficulty involved because the moment that they began to, to reach out and say, yeah, I'm a Christian, there was a lot, a lot of baggage associated with that. This was new. I mean, we're sitting here, and, and sometimes you might be like, man, people don't always understand what it's like to be a Christian. They were the first ones, too. There was no thousand years of history for Christianity. It was the first time. So they're trying to explain what it means. A lot of misunderstanding. And so there was, there was tension, frustrations. People were trying to discount it. Paul says, man, I, there was a love that you had, and it prompted. There was a labor that you endured, and it was prompted by your love. And I think what's particularly interesting about this is Acts tell us, tells us about a time, a particular story that happened for Paul. And, and I think he was probably thinking about this as he's writing it. There's a man by the name of Jason. And Jason was there in, in Thessalonica. 
And what happened is basically Paul showed up in, in Thessalonica and he goes and he's preaching in the synagogue, but people become incredibly hostile to it. So much so that they, they round up a mob and they just go and we're like, we're going to take Paul out. And, and this man named Jason and a couple other believers takes Paul into his home. And they say, hey, you're going to be safe here. And I think that that would have, that would have touched Paul in a really significant way. Because uh, for those of you who may not know much, or for those where this might be a little bit of review, we know that Paul went through a lot of persecution. Paul was beaten to an, within an inch of his life multiple times. He had, I'm going to say stoned, but he had stones thrown at him. Some of you guys might be thinking, that doesn't sound so bad. Now, he, w- he had stones thrown at him multiple times, whipped. He was shipwrecked. He went through all these different things. And, and what's interesting is that he often did it alone. You don't often hear that there was a group of people with Paul when these things happened. In fact, there's one story where Paul goes and he gets buried in a pile of stones. And then, and then it says the crowd dispersed and then the Christians kind of like show up and they're like, you okay, Paul? I was just thinking like, how does Paul feel in that moment? He's like, thanks guys for deserting me. I'm just out here all by myself. But in this, in this town, in this particular occasion, they didn't leave Paul to fend for himself. They brought him in to their own detriment because the story goes on that the crowd got so hostile towards Jason because they knew he was keeping Paul in their house that they actually they took Jason and they took a bunch of other believers. They threw them in prison and said, hey, you, you better hand him over to us. And they said, no. They had to post bond and they got out later and they went there in the middle of the night and they say, hey, Paul, you got to get out of here. They hit him in the middle of the night. They just send him out. And that, I think that's a wild story, but I can't help but think that Paul is there and he's penning this letter and he's like, I remember that time where you guys took a lot of heat for me because I was sharing the gospel message and you guys took a lot of flack for that. So much so, maybe some of you guys lost contracts. Some of you guys lost a lot of your position and wealth in society. And, and people looked at you different because I went in there and you guys, you guys didn't just turn your back on me. I remember that. It's a good job. Because you didn't listen to the lie. You didn't listen to the lie that love doesn't matter. You didn't listen to the lie that, well, you're only loved unless you do this. No, God transformed you with this incredible love and it overwhelmed. It overwhelmed into Paul's life and it overwhelmed into the life of other people because people are coming back and telling Paul, man, this church is growing because the love that they have for people. I want my life to be marked with love that people can see. I want to be full of God's love that I'm not trying to, to earn it, but it is just filling me up that I'm not getting bitter or resentful or closed off. But I'm saying, God, just help me to love. So we have the two encouragements, and then there's this final encouragement. And we'll read this again. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. The third encouragement is that they had a hope that inspired endurance. A hope that inspired. In Philippians 1.6, it says this, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
They, they didn't give up. They knew that God was going to work in them, that God was doing something. I don't know if any of you guys have experienced something recently where you were just thinking to yourself, when is this finally going to be over? Like a global pandemic or something like that? Or uh, a long road trip? You, you ever get into that road trip and you're at hour two or three or five or six, where however long you guys are going for, and then you're like, I need to go to the washroom. And you have no idea like where the next rest stop is. And your spouse is just like, we can't stop. We got to keep going. Okay, it's your husband. We know. Okay. So, it's like, man. Well, there's uh, this one time that I went on a hike, and it was Mount Allen, uh, and we took this ridge trail called Centennial Ridge. And it was a 16-kilometer hike, and it had over 1,400 meters of elevation. And for those of you who are not avid hikers, and you're kind of like, I have no idea what that means. It means it was a hard hike. It was a very difficult hike. And so it was, it was supposed to take an entire day. And, of course, uh, I went with a group of people, and we were like, a full day. We're going to cut it in half. Let's do it. We're going to run up this mountain. And so we're, we're all excited, and we're pumped, and we start going. And you, you can start to go up the, the mountain, and you see the ridge, and you're like, oh, that's the top of the mountain. And so we're going, and we're pushing hard for it. And then we get to that ridge, and we're like, this is not the top of the mountain. And so what made this hike so difficult is that it was just full of false peaks. These moments where you would keep hiking hour after hour, and you're like, oh, yeah, at any moment, we're, we're going to get to the top of the mountain just up that ridge. It's going to be great. And you get to that ridge, and the view would get a little bit better, but you still weren't at the top. Now, there was probably half a dozen false peaks where we're just like, yeah, we're almost there. We're almost there. Like, we're not there. And finally, we, we reached the top. But then we got to go back down. And I do not remember how many false peaks there were. I don't remember. Like, I was just like, head down, just grind up, just keep going. And so on the way down, I'm like, oh, I'm sure we're going to see the parking lot just over this ridge. There's nothing, nothing. Go to the next ridge. I'm like, I'm, guys, like, our legs are all burning. It's like the middle of the day. It's a burning hot afternoon. We're running out of water. Like, I'm sure just over this ridge, we're going to see the parking lot. No parking lot. And we went down and down and down. Finally, we get there. It, what was so difficult about the hike was it was difficult to pace. Like you, wanted, you couldn't go so slow that you never make it. And you couldn't go so fast that you burn out. And that's endurance. Endurance is being able to go at a pace that you can maintain. And Paul says, hey, there was, there was a hope in you that just fueled your endurance. And you kept going, and you didn't give up. And it, I remember going, there's a, a gentleman with us. I, I didn't ask his permission to share the story, so I won't name him. But he, he was an older gentleman. And so while we were young and just ready to, like, run up the mountain, he was just, he was just steady. And he just, boom, boom, boom. He was just going. And I remember some of us would, like, go up, go up in front of him. And then, like, five minutes later, they'd just, like, sit down. And he'd like just pass us and just keep going. He just, just endurance, just to keep going. I, mean, I want that in my life. I want that in my spiritual life. Just that there's going to be an endurance to keep going. The thing about endurance is uh, this, it's like this patient work. It's patiently working. See, some of us are patient, but we're not working. <laughs> some of us, are working, but we have no endurance. And the key 
The key is to have that patient work. Now I'm going to keep going. And Paul says, good job. Good job that you didn't just run into situations and relationships and just try and blow things up and just say, hey, it's my way or the highway. And you just left just a, a, a road of destruction behind you. No, you went in and there was a patient endurance. And that impacted people's lives. And you didn't just throw in the towel. You didn't just say, I'm done with this. I'm not trying anymore. No, you just kept going. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 2, 24, it says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run to win. Run to win. Work at a pace that says you want to win the race. But you're not going to foolishly just not be able to pace yourself. What, what does spiritual endurance mean? I, I think it's being able to create uh, margin in your life for God to do things. It's about self-discipline and, and spiritual disciplines, being able to, to let God move in those times in your devotions and your pr prayer times, to be able to be generous and to love on people. I think if you're here and you're like, I want more spiritual endurance, you, you might need to look at, hey, I want to join a life group because uh, you want to be around a group of people that are going to support you and encourage you on. I've heard it said that if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go with others. And that's the kingdom of God. That we aren't just trying to, to go by ourselves, but we're going together. And that there is this, this endurance that when one of us is tired, we lift each other up and we keep going. That we're around people who are going to set paces for us, who are going to show us how to do things in a way that we can do for eternity. Well, it's interesting because later on in this letter, Paul Paul sends some correction to the church. But in this moment, he just encourages them. And I think that that is so telling for human nature because we often want to know how we're doing. We want to know how things are. I want to know that I'm making an impact. And the church here is just kind of in this place of we're trying to figure things out. We're in this unchristian world and are we making an impact? I think that that's something that God has been speaking to me recently. As I, I came across this passage a little while ago, and I just thought to myself, you know what? I, I may not always see people come to the place that I want them to be at in their, in their spiritual life. I may not see all the people saved that I want to see saved. But if I can focus on these things, then I know God is going to do something. I know God is going to do a good work. That my work is from a place of faith. That whatever tension, whatever criticism I bear, I can endure because there's a love that God has transformed me. I don't know if you're here, maybe you feel like you're at one of those false peaks. Maybe you kind of came in and you're like, yeah, I thought once I got to a certain place. Hasn't that, hasn't that been like COVID? Once we get past this wave, once we get past this, once we get past this level of restrictions, guys, it's going to be good. I, I don't know what the future is going to hold, but we hold on to what God has told us to. So I hold on to that hope of what he's called me to. So there's, a, there's kind of some stories that I told you about how I'm doing some work with the Red Cross. And I'll be honest, when I went in there, I kind of thought like, I want to go in there and I want to get them saved. 
I'm going to go in there and there's going to be like revival in our little Red Cross office. I'm going to tell people about Jesus and they're all going to want to get saved. They're going to see my life and they're going to be like, yes, we want to be like Michael. That, That didn't happen. I know, I know. I think sometimes it, the, the temptation is for me to come up here and just share stories when it all worked out. And I can share those. I can share times when I was able to bring people to salvation. But I think there's also something to be said about the times when you're in the trenches right now. And, and right now, what you're trying to do is you're just trying to lead people to see Jesus a little bit more. And so I have all my ways, and I'm trying to, to get in there, and I'm like, well, I wanna, uh, I, I'm going to get, get the way of the master, and Dr. Moody's going to coach me, and I'm going to kung fu Christian them into the kingdom of God. And I got all these plans, and I remember I went through the Hearing God seminar, and I was like, what's going to happen is that God's going to tell me something about one of my coworkers, and I'm going to tell them, and they're going to cry, and I'm going to lead them to Jesus, and it's going to be awesome. And that didn't happen. I've had some amazing conversations. They are incredible people. I I believe I have faith for what God is going to do there. And I'm not going to give up. And and here's here's me living out this passage. I'm going to say, I know that God saved me and God can save them. That's my faith. And I'm going to have, I'm going to have love for them. And I'm going to pray that God, would you, would you help me love them more? Would you fill me up with more love? I'm going to have endurance. I'm not going to give up on it. I'm not going to get bitter at God. I'm not going to say, God, why aren't you making some things happen? I'm not going to get upset at myself that I'm some sort of inadequate Christian because I haven't brought all my coworkers to salvation. Just say, God, you're doing something here. I don't know what my role is, but, but I'll water and I'll plant. And if you want me to harvest, I will harvest. Can we close our eyes right now? And wherever you're at, maybe you're in a place where you would say, I I need some more people in my life that don't know Jesus. And that would be your prayer, just saying, God, would you bring in more people that don't know Jesus? Maybe you're here and this is just a message to encourage you, that you have have been faithful. You've been loving on people. You haven't seen the fruit that you want to see, but you know that God is doing something incredible. And this is just to encourage you to say, keep going. But I know that there may be people watching today, there might be people here today, that you are watching this today because there are people who have loved you. There are people who have told you about Jesus. And maybe you're watching and you're curious and you would say in this moment that, yes, I am ready to make a commitment to Jesus. I want to surrender my life and become new in him. I want to become a Christian. I want to lead you in a prayer. It doesn't need to be anything fancy. But it can go something just like this. Father God, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me? I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I want to make you the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to follow you. Help me to do that. And you can tell somebody about that. You can reach out to to our church. You can make a comment. You can DM us. If you're here, tell somebody. You can come up and and talk to me, talk to another pastor, talk to a friend, talk to somebody who brought you. For those of us who are here, I just want to pray an encouragement and a blessing on you. Father God, I thank you 
that you are good, that you are doing things in our lives, God, that we don't always see, but you are amazing. So God, we lean into you, that you are giving us strength. You have filled us with hope, faith, and love. So God, we walk this out and we thank you for this. Lord, would you just be with people this week and all that they do. We thank you for this in your precious name. Amen. Hey, thank you, church, so much for being with us today. We hope you have a great week. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next week.